0: Hey guys, Hey guys! thanks for joining us today. One of the things that energizes our teams the most is being able to hear stories of lives that are impacted by this ministry. We would love for you to share your story with us by emailing it to stories at newcommunity.co or maybe your next step to getting connected to what God is doing in this ministry is partnering with us financially. You can do that online at www.newcommunity.co or through the PushPay app and find the giving option that works best for you. Thanks so much for tuning in and enjoy today's message. Well, church, we are talking about good news this morning. And even in a culture where we're constantly surrounded by negative news, that Jesus coming makes all the difference in the world, that his birth and his death and resurrection changes things for us. In today's message, we're talking about good news. And just as I mentioned, all of you, um, so many of us on our smartphones, on our devices, we're constantly getting updated about bad news. And there's political problems in the world, right? There's financial uncertainty. We're not for sure what's going to happen in the stock market. Like we're hearing about possible wars that will take place. And all of this, man, it can seem like we're weighed down by bad news, but Jesus coming, it is good news. And this isn't something that that is new to the world, like this was happening during the time of Jesus. The Roman government was oppressing the nation of Israel. You had a messed up political figure in Herod who was enslaving people to build like a bigger palace and bigger seaports in the nation of Israel. You had heavy poverty because the taxation was so severe that people were barely making ends meet. This is what was going on during the time of Jesus. And yet when Jesus arrives on the scene, his birth, And then as he lived his life, his death and his resurrection, the angels declared, this is good news to every single person that hears this. And so we're taking the next few weeks and we're looking at how does the life of Jesus, what does it mean to us? What does it mean that it's good news? And how does it affect our life? Now, as many of you guys know, um, I have not lived in Texas my whole life, okay? I wasn't born here, but I got here as fast as I could, okay? Yes. Yes. And my wife and I, we met while we were in Texas, and then we moved away for a little bit. But I am so glad we are back. I love Texas. I love the people. I actually love the hot weather. I'm not a cold-weather person, so even this morning felt chilly. I love sunny, warm days in Texas. I love the area that I live in. I just i love being here. But there is one thing I do not love about Texas, and that is allergy season. I don't know if any of you guys have this problem. But around this time of year, my face gets all puffy, right? Like you can probably see it this morning. My eyes were swollen when I woke up. They start to drip all day. I'm rubbing them so they get bloodshot. You know, I'm coughing, I'm sneezing. The top of my mouth itches. This happens every year. And every year for the past number of years, I have done the exact same thing. I wait until the point where it's unbearable, where I can barely function as a human being. And then I go to the doctor. And when I sit down with my doctor, we always have the same conversation. She says, Aaron, why are you coming in? It's because of my allergies. Can't you see my face is swollen? And she says, okay, Aaron, I see um, that here, according to your chart, that you're supposed to be on allergy medicine. Are you taking your allergy medicine? Nope, I am not. I forget most of the time. Okay, well, I see here you're taking steroid breathing treatments during allergy season. Are you taking those breathing treatments? Nope, I am not. Okay, what about Flonase? Like we have a nasal spray. This is how bad my allergies are. I'm on all these prescriptions. No, I'm not doing that. And she looks at me, why aren't you doing that? And I don't know if it's stubbornness. I don't know if it's stupidity. I don't know what it is. But I continue to do the same thing year after year. I have to go in, get a steroid shot. It lasts for a few weeks while I start taking all the medicine that I'm supposed to be taking anyway. And my doctor's sitting there looking at me like, why do you keep doing this? Just take the medicine. And if I'd listen to my doctor, I know I could avoid this miserable few months here in Texas when allergy season hits. And most of us, we live our Christian life like that. And there are things that Jesus has told us to do There are commands that He has given us. There's instructions in God's Word that if we would just follow, it would make our life so much better. But so many times, church, call it stubbornness, call it stupidity, whatever it is. We're still trying to do things our own way. And we say things like, man, Christianity just really isn't working out for me. I tried being a Christian, but it's not happening. It's because we're not following the instructions Jesus has given us. We're not following His commands. And I want, to, I want us to look at one of the commands that I think we miss many times that we don't think about in our walk with Christ and what it means for us and how it is good news in our life. So if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 13. We're going to start reading at verse 34. We're just going to look at two verses here. If you don't have a Bible, I want to encourage you to take the Bible in the seat in front of you and turn to page 525. You can take out your smartphone and just Google John 13, 34 and follow along with us as we look at what Jesus is saying to his disciples, to this group of men that have been following after him. And once you have that, hold on to that for just one moment. And in this part of John, in case you're unfamiliar with what's going on in this part of John, this is the last meal Jesus is going to eat with his disciples. He spent the past number of years with him. But this is the final conversation. And John spends the next few chapters along with this verse that we're going to read and some, a few other chapters. And he tells, he tells the story of what Jesus is conveying in these final moments of his life before he's going to die and then be resurrected and then be taken into heaven. And so these are important words. This is vital what Jesus is conveying to this group of 11 men. And this is what it says in John chapter 13 verse 34. Jesus says, a new command I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Now, he says that same thing a few different ways in that small two verses right there. He says, love one another. That's what he wants them to get. I'm giving you a new command. I'm calling you to love one another. Out of all of the things that Jesus could have said, this is part of what he chooses to convey to them right here. Here's a new command that I'm giving you. Here's something that I want you to remember. And it's this, you are called to love one another. Why does he say that? Well, because the disciples are about to go through one of the hardest things that they've ever faced. The person that they're following, their Messiah, the person that they think is God's answer to the earth is about to be killed and taken away from them. And Jesus knows you can't do this alone. You're going to need each other. And Jesus is giving them this idea. They're looking at each other and he's saying, hey, you are better together. Church, I don't know if you know this or not, but we are better together. This is what Jesus is speaking to us. We're commanded to love one another. And we say things in our walk with Christ like, this is my personal walk with Jesus. And we say things like, what does this really have to do with other people? This is between me and God. But that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, no, a matter of fact, a part of people knowing that you follow me is how well you can love each other. That's how people are going to know you're my disciple, is how you demonstrate that love, not just for me, but to each other, to those that are part of the fellowship of Christ, those that are part of the church. I'm commanding you to love each other, to demonstrate that love one for another. Now, as Spencer and I, we were talking about this this week because he's teaching this upstairs to the kids, and we were kind of going back and forth what this passage meant, and we were talking, why does Jesus say this is a new command? I mean, if you've read the Gospels, you've read the Bible, you see in other parts of the Bible, he tells us to love people, right? Like you love your parents, you honor your father and mother. You love your spouse, right? That's something that Jesus says, hey, you're called to to love and respect your wife or your husband. Like you're called to do that. He challenges us to love our neighbor. So why is this a new command? What is it that Jesus is saying And as I begin to read, one of the people that that I was reading, this Bible scholar, he said, it's a new command because it's not just the love that comes from us, it's a love that comes from God. And this is the first time that we see this God kind of love. You're to love people, not just with this human, not just like kind of a paternal or maternal type of love, not just a romantic type of love between a husband and a wife. No, this is a God kind of love. As I have loved you, you're to love one another. That's what I'm challenging you to do. And how well you do that will show other people if you're my follower, like if you know who I am, if your life reflects mine. And so that's what he's saying. This is a command that I'm giving you. You're called to love one another. Jesus was saying this. Hey, we're better together when we love each other. That's where real growth happens and that's where change happens. And so I'm telling you to do that. Now, we struggle with this, once again, in our Christian walk. We don't always get this. And I've heard a lot of people, maybe you've heard others say this. Maybe you've thought this at some point is, man, I I love Jesus, but I just don't really get the church thing. Or I love Jesus, but I'm not really connected with the church. I don't go to church a lot. Maybe, Maybe I come sporadically, but I'm not there all the time. Like I don't really do that, or or I want to follow Jesus, but I really don't want anything to do with the church. People have said that. I've heard heard people say that to me whenever I invite them to church. But that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying you're called to love one another, and it would be like it would be like this. If Quaint, we know each other, right? Yeah, a little bit. Okay, and if you guys don't know, this is Jamie. This is Quaint's wife. Okay, um, and so if I came up to Quaint and I said, Hey. We know each other a little bit, but I really want to get to know you. And so I want to hang out with you a lot. Like, I want you to get to know me, and so we're going to spend a lot of time together. We're really going to get to know each other, and we're going to have this deep friendship, this deep relationship together, okay? But I have to tell you something. I really can't stand Jamie, okay? I don't want to be by her. Like, oh, man, just thinking of having to go and be around, like, it just frustrates me so much. So, so I really want to get to know you, but I don't want anything to do with her. What's that going to be like? You better say awkward for your marriage, okay? (laughs) So that everyone knows you love your wife, right? That's going to be difficult and it's going to be weird. Why? Because they love each other. They're connected. That's what the Bible says. The two have become one. When they got married, they were united together, right? So that would make it weird if I said that. So why do so many times as Christians, we think we can do that with the bride of Christ? And we think that we can say, Jesus, I love you. I want to get to know you. I want to be around you. I want to spend time with you. But when it comes to the church, we think, man, I really don't want anything to do with your bride. I don't want to spend time at the church. I don't want to get to know other people that are following after you. It's like looking at Jesus and saying, I want to get to know you, but I don't want anything to do with your wife. And it doesn't work like that. What Jesus is saying is, no, you've got to love each other. And to love Jesus, to be a part of his family, to be accepted in with him, means that we accept his bride, the church of Jesus Christ. That's what he refers to as, uh, we are the bride of Christ, and we're called to love one another. That's what Jesus is telling the disciples. I'm commanding you, this new command that I'm giving you isn't just to love me, it's to love each other and to demonstrate that that's how people are going to know that you're my follower. So what does this love look like? Well, we see it in another part of the Bible. You can just write this down. You don't have to turn there, but you can refer to it later in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now, we're probably pretty familiar with this verse. Like, as soon as I start to talk about it, you're going to know, oh, yeah, I've heard that at a wedding ceremony some point. Or I read that in a marriage book about how to create a strong relationship. But Paul's not talking to a husband and a wife here. He's talking to the church. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's known as the love chapter of the Bible. Love is patient. Love is all of these things, right? He's not saying, hey, here's how you strengthen your marriage. He's saying, hey, here's how we become stronger as a church. And he's writing to the church in Corinth that has some issues with disunity. There's some people causing some problems. They're not functioning correctly. And this is what Paul says. Paul says, you know what? In your church service, you can have people being healed. You can have blind eyes being opened. You can have people giving prophetic words. People can be speaking the words of God. And you can have all of those things. And it can seem amazing. But if you don't have love, you've got nothing. You don't have anything, church. If you haven't learned how to love one another and be connected with one another, you don't have anything. All of that is just making noise is what Paul says. And so he's looking at his church and he's saying, you've got to find a way to love one another. That's what Christ commanded his disciples. Love each other as I have loved you. So what does that love look like? Well, you guys probably are familiar with that passage. Love is patient, isn't it? Love is kind. Love does not keep a record of wrong. It does not rejoice in evil. It rejoices in the truth. Love is not arrogant. It doesn't boast. It doesn't brag about itself, right? Love does not seek its own interests or want things its own way. That's what love is. And Paul is looking at the church in Corinth and the word of God to us this morning. What God is saying is, hey, you've got to love each other. Just like I have said here, you've got to be patient and kind with one another. But what do we typically do? Oh, Aaron, there's that person in, that church, in the church and they just frustrate me, like just being around them, like it's so annoying. But love is patient, Right. It is, you guys. Love is patient. Love is kind. Can I be honest with you? You frustrate people. You do. You frustrate others. The only reason you don't know that is because they're loving you. They're being kind to you, okay? But you're bothering other people. It's just the way we are. We're we're messed up people, right? We bother each other. But but Paul says, no, as the church, we're kind to one another. We're patient. Because that's how Christ has loved us. But, Aaron, there's this person in the church. And I know, I know they don't like me. Like one time I was trying to shake their hand and they just turned and walked the other way. Right? Like I knew they saw me. I knew they made eye contact. But then they didn't come up and say hello. They forgot my name. Love keeps no record of wrongs, you guys. Love forgives each other. You've forgiven me over the past three years because I know I've messed up at times. Okay? I know I'm not the perfect pastor. Why? Because I'm human. But that's what love does. We forgive each other. We don't keep record of each other's wrongs. We don't hold that against each other. Why? Because we're called to love one another. How about this? But I don't know if the other people in the church are really as strong of a Christian as I am. Like I'm passionate about, I pray and I read my Bible and and I try not to sin, but I know they're just out there sinning. Love isn't arrogant, doesn't brag. It doesn't boast in itself or it doesn't delight in other people's wrongdoing but it rejoices in truth, rejoices in goodness. See, church, this is what love does. And you and I, we have to look at our lives. We have to look at each other and say, wait, is is this how I'm loving you? Is this how you're loving me? Is this how we're loving each other when people look at our lives? Is this what they see? What Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we've got to get out of our mind that this is a chapter about marriage. This is a chapter about the church, how we interact with one another. And the fact that people are going to see how close we are to Christ, how much we reflect him by the way that we treat one another, by how patient and how kind. That's what Jesus is saying. I'm commanding you, a new command I give you, love one another. He knows that we are better together. Then he goes on to say in the second part of that verse or in verse 35 in John chapter 13, he says this, as I have loved you, so you are to love one another. He says that love each other as Christ has loved us. That's what we have. That's the picture that we have is how did Jesus love his disciples? How has Jesus demonstrated his love to you and to me? What have we seen in that? And then we are to mirror that. We're to reflect that to one another. That's how we're to live our lives. And I can imagine the disciples sitting down at that last meal. And Jesus says this, hey, a new command I give you. So they know it's important. Love one another. And as I have loved you, you are to love each other. And I can picture the disciples just for a moment, having some flashbacks, thinking about Mark chapter one, where Jesus comes up for the first time to Simon, to Peter and his brother Andrew, to James and John. And he says, come and follow me. What did Jesus do? He opened up his life. How did Jesus love? He opened up his life and he said, hey, you can come observe my life for the next three years. You can be around me 24 seven. Matthew's remembering when Jesus walked by that tax collector booth and he said, Matthew, you can do more than just collect coins. Your life is more than just getting some taxes from people. I see you making a bigger impact in God's kingdom. Come and follow me. I want you to come and follow my life. See what I do. See how I live out my faith with God. See, that's what Jesus did. That's how he loved. He invited people into his life. He doesn't hold the disciples at an arm's length. He doesn't say, hey, show up at the synagogue, show up at church at this point on a Sunday morning, and I'll teach you a little bit. No, he says, come and follow me. Come and spend some time with me. Get really close to my life and see how I live. Observe what I'm doing so that you can grow in your relationship with God. That's love. That's how Jesus loved his disciples they're thinking of probably in Matthew chapter 6 where they're saying, Jesus, I don't know how to pray. And I see you getting up early in the morning and you're going off and you're talking to your father. You're talking to God and I don't know how to do that. And so Jesus sits down with him and he begins to instruct them: Hey, when you pray, here's how you pray. Here's what you can say. They're thinking of Matthew chapter 13 where they're saying, Jesus, you tell these crazy stories and we don't even know what they mean. And Jesus spent some time with them and he says, let me explain this to you. Let me explain to you what the kingdom of God is like. Let me tell you what God is talking about. Let me open up the scriptures for you in God's word and show you what it means. They're thinking of times like in Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, what you just said, those are the words of God. There's not a man or a woman on this earth who told you that. It's God himself who revealed that to you. And he's encouraging Peter, Peter, you're hearing the voice of God right now. That's how Jesus loved And then a few verses later where Jesus has to look at Peter and said, Peter, that's the voice of Satan. Get behind me. Because what you're saying right now, it's not the word of God. It doesn't have the things of God in mind. See, Jesus loved because he was correcting Peter and saying, hey, don't lose it. Don't miss out on what God's trying to do here. Don't get sidetracked and just thinking in your own wisdom. You've got to listen to the voice of God, Peter. They're thinking of times like in Luke chapter 22, where Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Simon, I've prayed for you. I'm praying for you that your faith may be strengthened. And the devil wants to tear you apart. Peter, the devil wants to take your life and tear it apart. But I'm praying for you that your faith will be strong. And that if you stumble at any point, you'll quickly be restored back into a relationship with God. How does Jesus love? He prays for those people that are close. And he's saying, man, I want your faith to grow. I'm spending time, I'm talking to God about you because I want you to go on. I don't want you to stumble. I don't want you to miss out. I don't want the enemy to destroy your life. That's how Jesus loved his disciples. That's how you and I were called to love each other. Is your life open to other people? Are you teaching those that may be newer in the faith that may just be starting out? Are you giving them your experience, your wisdom if you've been serving God for a while? Are you helping them grow in their faith? you opening up scriptures with them and talking to them about God's word and what God's word says are you praying for other people are you praying that their faith would be stronger Jesus said love each other as I have loved you that's what I'm commanding you to do that this faith that you have it's not just between you and God it actually involves other people and people are going to know that you're a Christ follower people are going to know that you're his disciple by how well you love each other you can't do this alone church You were never called to do this by yourself. We need one another. In our relationship with God, we have to have each other. It's vital for our growth. Jesus says, hey, I'm giving you this command, love each other, promise you, you're going to be better together. then he says, love as I have loved. Be there for one another, encourage each other, grow together, pray for one another. Don't do this thing alone. I want to give you one last kind of visual illustration. Of what we tend to do and what Christ is asking us to do in, in our life. So Gabriel, if you'll come forward and just help me out real quick. You can come stand right here, okay? So this is what many of us do is we come to this place in our relationship with God, right? Right? And we'll just take Gabriel for instance. This isn't really about him, but it just gives kind of the visual illustration here. If Gabriel came up last week and he said, okay, my life's messed up. Like there's sin in my life. I'm not following after Jesus, but I want to. I want Christ to be first in my life, and I want to give my life to him. I want him to make me new, right? So he comes forward. He prays with someone. He prays with someone at work. He prays with someone after service, and, and he prays that prayer, God, change me, make me new, right? And so God begins to work in in Gabriel's life. God begins to do things inside of him. But the truth of the matter is this right here, is that all of us have things that we've been working on. So go ahead and grab that right there, okay? We have things that we've been working on, and then you can hold that right there, right? That have wrapped themselves around our lives. And many of those things, it's taken years of kind of entangling us, And this is what happens. Gabriel is now in a place where God wants him to be. And and he's standing where God wants him to stand. And he wants to grow and he wants to move forward. But these old things, these addictions and these habits begin to do what? They start to pull at him, don't they? And Gabriel's strong and he's trying to, but he begins to be pulled by those temptations. This happens with all of us, right? And then we come back and we say, man, God, I want to be strong. I want to follow after you, right? And before long, those same temptations, those same things, they begin to pull at us. And we do this over and over again, church. And we're wondering, why don't I stand strong in my relationship with God? Why can't I do this? Why can't I say where God wants me to be and to follow after him? It's because we're not meant to do it alone. And so Gabriel says, hey, I'm not going to do it alone. And a group of his friends, you guys go ahead and come up here. Right? So Gabriel decides, hey, I'm tired of doing this by myself. Right? I'm tired of doing this alone. So go ahead and grab that rope. And so Gabriel starts to get around another group of people. Yep. Just jump in there, Cleo. You got it. Grab it somewhere. Okay. Right. And this is what happens in our faith with God is now Gabriel, whenever those things that have had a hold of his life, whenever they start pulling, oh man, they're pulling me. (laughs) Right. That's what begins to happen is he's not going to be moved church. Why? Because he's not doing it by himself. And when temptation comes and it starts to tug at him right? Gabriel can stand strong where God has placed him because he's not doing it by himself. And it's not just his own strength. It's others around him who he's brought close to him and who are loving him and encouraging him and praying for him. And he's not going to be moved, you guys. Thank you so much. You guys can grab a seat. Let's give him a hand. See, we've got to get that picture in our mind that you're not called to do this by yourself, church. This is not just a relationship only with you and God. God has brought other people, the family of Christ. He's brought them around you. And if you are trying to do this by yourself, you're going to fail. You're going to mess up. You're going to miss out. You're going to be in this constant struggle of getting pulled every which way. And God says, I want you to stand firm, but you need other people around you. We need each other in our lives to love one another, to encourage, to challenge to correct when we need it, that we can speak the words of God to challenge you. Hey, you can do more. Don't miss out on what God is calling you to. And church, all of us, if we're trying to do this alone, if we're trying to do this by ourselves, we're missing out on what God has called us to do. He commanded us, love one another. Church, love one another. Church, love one another. Don't do it by yourselves. Love one another. Be there for one another. Open up your lives. Stop trying to do it by yourself. Open up your lives. Invite others in. Pray for one another. Encourage. Talk about scripture together. That's why we do groups. That's why we talk about groups here at NCC. It's not just trying to find another way to spend your night. It's not just so we have another program here at the church and we can say, hey, look what we're doing. We have all of these groups. No, it's because it's what Christ commanded us. He said, hey, you've got to get around other people. You have to open up your life and talk about what you're going through. And there's going to be hard times, but there are going to be others around you who are praying for you. And you don't have to do it alone, church. This is the command that God has given us. The good news is this, is you're not by yourself. You don't have to do this by yourself. You don't have to try to figure this out on your own. There's others in this church that are willing to open up their life they're willing to invite you in. They want you to open up your life so that you can begin to grow together and encourage one another. That's good news. We're not in this alone. And it doesn't mean that it won't always or that it'll be easy. It doesn't mean that things won't pull at us, but it's so much better when we have others standing with us, helping us to stay strong. And we're going to respond in a few ways this morning. The first way is as we dismiss I'm going to ask you guys not to rush out of the room. Not to just head out, but to go spend a few minutes at one of the tables and to talk to some of the group leaders. And I promise you, there's probably a group here that fits into your schedule, doesn't matter how busy you are, that you connect with some of the people in that group where you can have others that encourage you. In church, it's not just about what you're going to receive, it's about what you're going to give. And I look across this room and there's so many of you, God's doing things in your life and no one knows about it because you're trying to do it alone. And someone else needs their faith encouraged, someone else needs their faith strengthened by what God's doing inside of you. And your words are gonna help someone else be stronger. And we need that. And so I wanna challenge you, don't rush out this morning, but take a moment and spend some time, find a group to connect in. Some of them meet every week, some of them meet every other week. But we want to do this together. The second way for some of you in this room is we've talked about connecting with God's family, with the bride of Christ. You may say, Aaron, I've never really connected with Jesus. And I'm not taking that first step. I'm new to church, or maybe I've been coming for a little bit, but I've never made that decision to start to follow after Christ. I've never thought about his commands or what he wants for my life. But this morning, I know that I need that. I'm alone in this. And if that's you, we're going to give you a chance to respond and as we dismiss this morning before you rush out I want to ask if you would come by the connect center and we'll have a few of our prayer team members back there that just want to talk to you about starting a relationship with Jesus the word of God is very clear that we're all broken that we're all sinful it doesn't matter how good you think you are or how good I think I am we're fallen people and it's only the grace of God that redeems us and it's when we're honest enough to say God I'm broken And I need your forgiveness, and I need you to be the Savior of my life. And if that's you, don't let your pride stop you this morning. Jesus is here, and he wants to give you a brand new start. And as you make that decision, you don't have to do it alone. You don't have to do it by yourself, but there's groups of people that want to come alongside of you and encourage you and challenge you in your relationship with God. So let me pray for us this morning that we would be this kind of church that loves one another. Please pray with me this morning. God, thank you so much for your word, Lord. Thank you for what you've challenged us. God, this good news that we're not in this by ourselves. God, we don't have to do this alone, Lord. But God, you've encouraged us to love one another. And God, we want to be that kind of church, Lord, that demonstrates that love for each other, God. Lord, that walks with other people, that encourages, that prays together, God, that studies your word together. Help us to be that kind of church, Lord, that lives out our faith, Lord, in that way, God, so that others will see that we're your followers that we're your disciples. God, I pray that for each and every one of us. God, let us find a group. Let us find a place to belong in your family. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. What a great service, a great message this morning.